This is the Mooncast. So, Mark, welcome to the Mooncast, man. Um, thanks for coming. Uh, much appreciated. I brought you on because I'm super, super curious about your your company and what you've what you've built. Um, I saw your your profile on LinkedIn, and yeah, I just wanted to if you can just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit to give a little bit of background about yourself. That would be awesome, so they can get a little bit about who you are, how you got to this point, why you started uh, Cap uh, EQ, and what kind of services that they offer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and firstly, thank you for your time. And I appreciate being on your podcast. Um, so my name is Mark Sapsford. Um, I, I've been in M&A for the last uh, 20 odd years now. Um, being able, I'm really being lucky to be party to clients' journeys in either selling, buying or, or fundraising on their behalf. Um, so met some incredible companies around the world and, and have transacted all over the world, So, which is a great joy for me. Um, prior to um, doing M&A, um, I ran and sold a headhunting business that if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have made a bit more money, but that's that's beside the point. Um, uh, and then prior to that, I worked for ExxonMobil, and prior to that, um, I was in the Royal Air Force. So uh, my my link to being in M&A is, is tenuous at best, but um, it, it brings me to where I am and thoroughly enjoy what what I and the team do now, uh, which is for CAPEQ. So let me start with then CAPEQ and who we are and what we do. So um, CAPEQ is as in the bottom right hand or left hand corner, depending on which way you look at it. We were the first corporate finance house to be certified B Corp within uh, Europe. Um, what does that mean to us and, and, and our customers? That means that we we care about three P's, uh, people, planet and profit. Um, and, and, and whichever order you want to put them in, people is absolutely at the center of what we do. So not only for our customers and the people that we work with, but for our team. And so we heavily invest in our team and making sure we get the right people to do and for them to be invested in the business. Um, the planet, I think the, the analogy of the planet looking after the planet is a bit bold, but I think the planet will look after itself if the people behave themselves on the planet that we exist on. So for that end, we we spend a lot of time looking at our processes, what we do and what our impact is on the planet and trying to, to keep that as, as less as possible. Uh, and then for profit, we are a profit organization and that means giving back to the local communities and the communities and come and smaller companies below us to get them to, to come up and mature and grow underneath us as we are bringing work onto them. So uh, that's what we do as an organization and then what services we provide. As I said, we do sell side to taking and helping organizations, companies to find their next home. So finding buyers for them around the world. Um, we also work for buyers. So we work with listed entities that are looking for companies that they need to acquire to go on and grow uh, outside of an organic process. And then we do capital raising series A and above, which is predominantly 10 million and above up to around about the 150 million mark. And again, trying to find that right capital that enables those businesses to go on and grow. 
but with a key uh, a key point to that is always thinking not only about the shareholders but also the stakeholders and what i mean by that is the employees and all the individuals that have got that organization to where it is and thinking about what that next home is and and have we found that right fit and ethos for that business whether we're buying or selling to go on and grow what we don't want to do is just to find money for money's sakes and then the, the organization either goes down or individuals are let go that's not what we're about it's about finding that right fit and ethos for organizations so that's at the key of what we do and that goes to the b corp piece and the ethical bone that we all have and i think that to the point of the reason why we set it up in the way we did was just to say you know what we, we've we've always had a strong ethical backbone we didn't need b corp to go over our heads but it just focused our mind and our team's mind on what we want to achieve for our clients. Got it. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, uh, that you were doing headhunting before. And yeah. uh, could you walk a little bit through just uh, specifically about that? And then, um, yeah, because I didn't want you to, I know that we want to get more into the business, but um, okay. I just want to just basically break down a little bit, just a little bit more of your experience and like what, what you learned from there and how you like took that experience and brought it to Cap EQ and then, We'll get back to cap eq because i have a yeah, lot of questions yeah, yeah. about cap eq too as well and that's a really yeah. good question so um yeah. in that sense working within the logistics industry so yes. identifying um uh, the, the the high end individuals within the logistics community that were mm -hmm. at the time this was um going to a point where logistics hubs um rdc's regional distribution centers were were coming into their own and the ability to identify if you're sending a truck from one destination to another and it is carrying full product from the, the regional distribution center and dropping it off at a center and then returning back empty, then the mm -hmm. reality is that you could backload those vehicles on their journey home to bring product back. And this was at the point where there was a suddenly an awakening within um, in, uh, large um uh, retailers that they realized that they were moving vehicles one way full and empty back and how they could pick up and bring goods back and so these individuals that were transport managers suddenly came become logistics managers and started thinking about how they could utilize their fleet in a far more significant better way and so those individuals started going up the food chain and becoming really valuable individuals within an organization so it was moving those individuals and identifying how they fit into an organization and identifying their skill sets and understanding their knowledge base and how they could save these organizations huge amounts of money at very quickly with just thinking about their processes and thinking i suppose it's the old analogy thinking outside the box how do they utilize their fleet in a far better way and so it's mm -hmm. moving those individuals within the industry so that's yeah. that's what i've done but again it's a people thing it's understanding people and understanding um how do they fit into organizations how do they fit in with their ethos and their 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 views on uh, on how they fit into an organization or what an organization is looking for and then finding that right fit for those individuals yeah, got it. It's very interesting to talk about transportation and logistics because actually I was also in the military. I was in the army in the United States and uh, I served as a transition logistics manager, did a tour in Afghanistan Operation Enduring Freedom. So I'm very much privy to, you know, Lean Six Sigma processes in, in regards yeah. to trying to 
uh, optimize, you know, the, the process and, and, and reverse logistics and all these different types of things because it's all important because it lowers the cost basis of the operation overall and it makes everything more efficient and people get their goods and services more quicker. And so, yeah, um, it's very, very interesting that you were into that too as well. And yeah, I saw that you were in the Royal Family or you, you mentioned that you were in the Royal, um, Royal Air, Air Force. Force. The Royal Air Force too as well. And uh, could you talk a little bit about that experience? Like, how was that for you? Uh, what did you learn? What, what could you take away? And yeah, just the entire process of that. Yeah, that, another point. So that was in logistics. I was in logistics of the Royal Air Force, very similar to yeah. yourself then. Um, yeah. And I think what you learn through that process is, again, um, dealing with multiple individuals, whether it be maritime, so shipping agents, airlines, um, ground logistics uh, and moving equipment across continents and um, you you learn how to navigate you know uh, getting equipment across borders and what have you and uh, and dealing with multiple people that may have uh, different drivers or different um, uh, views on what success looks like um uh, and and working and navigating through that and getting the equipment there when when required if not before it, it is required is probably the ideal situation so i think it's just working through that navigating how you're going to get the, your equipment there getting everyone there on time and, and again it's a, like everything in 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 life it's about people and i think that skill set is lost in in our younger generation because they're they're burying themselves into electronic equipment and and that skill set is absolutely fundamental in everything that we do so i think that skill set that i learned in the royal air force and then has carried me all the way through to today is just just learn to listen and and, and just you know use two ears and one mouth accordingly um, yes. and just get to know people and i always use an old analogy that for me uh strangers are friends they just don't know it so yes. that's the way i look at it yeah i i agree i agree i think that's the the most important takeaway you can take from being an entrepreneur and your entrepreneurship journey is if you're not good with people it's going to be very hard for you to build anything because you need a team to build the right systems for you but yeah moving on to capital or cap eq i wanted to talk a little bit about the process of selling a business and how you guys help to make that process more optimal for the businesses. Um, walk us through basically, if I'm a business, I wanna sell my business, I'm, I'm showing proven cash flow, and um, I basically I'm looking for somebody to be able to, do you guys, are you guys kind of serving as the middleman in regards to finding the right person that's looking to buy the business that I'm selling? Or how does that work? How does the entire process work? Yeah, really good question. And it's not a short answer. So I apologize if I go on for a bit. No, it's um, awesome. It's awesome. In, in, in essence, we always say to, to, to um, business owners, when you set up your business, you should have a destination in mind. So whenever you set it up and you, you start from, you know, one person in a garage, you need to think about what, what, what am I trying to achieve here? What is the end goal? Because if you start with that, then everything else and you build the processes around a bigger company for the future. So when you get to this decision that you say, actually, I've taken this business. And by the way, there are very few people that can take a business from out of the garage to being a multi-million pound business, you know, like um, the Amazons of this world. Um, <clears throat> there are very few people that can do that. There are people that are right for periods of time for a business. So there are people that 
are entrepreneurs that can drive to a and there's no point there's no specific point but it may be for argument's sake 10 million uh of revenue and then at that stage they feel they're out of control and they they, they don't feel that they want to go through that next level of pain to, to go on and grow it again and that may be <clears throat> because it's a, a new business owner is required or what have you so for us when that decision is made it's it by a, a business owner to say actually i want to take my company to market i've identified that this is the right time we would then sit down with them and then just pull their company apart a, a little bit to just go is this the right time is the is the right do you have the right information in place to be able to take your company to market and if you do then we would start a process and what that process looks like is that we send a briefing document over we get as much information as we can from our clients they send us the information and from there we'll break it down into constituent parts so what we're looking for is then a research part so we'll do the research and identify where our client fits in a competitive market so who where does it sit and who is its his or hers competitors in an arena we then look for next outer ring who are the competitors to those businesses and how do they perform and what are they looking for and then the outer ring of there what competitors are their competitors that compete with the competitors in the middle and then completely outside of that are there companies that have identified that they want to get into your space whether that be on a ceo statement at the end of the year in their financial statements or they have made noise in the markets that they want to get into your market or we've identified there is key synergies between what you your services you provide and what a buyer would produce and so those two and two make three four five whatever so we do that research and we spend you know three weeks of desk research plus probably a couple more on top of just identifying who those businesses are we do that piece of work we also do an information memorandum which is a, a brochure type thing which is you know 20 25 pages long that is the, the the keynotes to your business how did it start where has it got to what are the products and services it produces where does it fit in the market what is the market demographic and then the, the financial information about the business and so that that piece comes together we then do all of that work plus the financial analysis so we'll stress test the business to see what is the the underlying um uh, financial capability of the business so ebitda earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization so that's a number that everyone across the world will understand especially within the financial market to understand what is the 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 the, the financial position or at least the profitability of this business across the board so once we've done that and we stress test the financials we've done the research we've done the information memorandum we collate all those together we sit with the client and then go through everything that we've done get them to approve it once they've approved it we then go to the market and we will go to every single person on the list that the client has approved us to go to and what I mean by that is we'll walk them through and they may say, actually, that's maybe a competitor or this one. I know there's some work going on at the moment or we're competing on a tender. I don't want to go to these guys. Then that's fine. And then we go out and outwardly reach by phone, by email in any way we can over the next six to eight weeks and bring as many as we can to the table to have discussions around after a non-disclosure is signed 
and getting the information memorandum, we can have open conversations on how the two companies will come together. So that process and that uh, and that outreach is, takes us about six to eight weeks to do. And um, once we've got people to the meetings, we, we enlighten them a lot more about the business. We then put a deadline in place for offers, get offers in, then look at the offers and compare against other offers and then identify going to my point earlier of fit and ethos. What is the right fit? What is the right ethos for this business? Do we think we've got the right home? And then it's about the value as well, because the, the money will follow. If you start talking about money from day one, the money goes down. If you talk about fit and ethos, the money will follow. So it's absolutely critical that you talk about trying to find that right home for your business. Do that. The money follows. And then once we've got that point and we've said, OK, we agree, this is the party we want to go forward. Then we go into uh, exclusivity and due diligence and then the legal process and the due diligence, which is a process of going through all the information we've disclosed and making sure it's accurate to say, yes, this is the business I thought it was. And then we go on to completion drink champagne and have a nice day. However, what I've just described from start to end is about nine nine to 12 months in, in, in its entirety. Oof, man, that's a strenuous process, man. I was gonna ask you too as well, are the clients that are coming to you, are they usually, uh, do they have a predetermined list of already like businesses that they're looking to, that they want them to acquire their business? Or is it something that you guys are generating yourselves? Do you have a database? Uh, is it is it a combination of the two? Do you guys work together on that? How are you guys basically scripting all of the companies that are needed to for that particular vertical? You know, depending on which vertical that that business is associated with, you know, it could be anything. You know, from engineering yeah. company to you know so on and so forth. So how do you basically decipher through that? Really good question. And so uh, sometimes we have clients who come to us with an aspiration. So they have a, a company in mind that they've always loved and, and believed that would want to buy them. And that's the company they want to talk to. And in some instances, we'll not bang the table, but we'll say, no, 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 no. All I want to do is go to this company because I've loved this company and they'll want to buy me. And we spend many, many hours debating that and saying, no, we won't go to one. We want to go to multiple because it's only through that that you're able to bring choice to the table and you're able to find that right fit um, uh, that will drive value and drive structure. And then it enables us to maneuver whether and it may end up with that company that they always wanted to sell to. But we, we now know how they fit into the market and we know the market opportunity. So we're able to drive the structure a lot harder, whether it be their party or not. Um, but it is a joint thing, it, you know, but for us, we want to do our heavy lifting first. We want to be able to do our research um, alongside our client. But it is the value add that we bring to the table. It is the, the heavy lifting that we do that provides that wider audience. And also often clients are, are often so embedded in their organization, so just focused on what they're doing rather than what the market's doing that they often don't see some of the obvious targets on the table and some that are completely off off piste for argument's sake, that when you bring them to the table, the clients, I don't even understand why they're at the table. And it's like, well, it's for this reason. And this is the reason why we brought them to the table. Um, 
but it's it's absolutely key that we we do it with the client and alongside the client but i would say it's very rare that a client walks in with you know 150 200 names and um, it's more about they may have two or three names in mind um, and then we bring the other 80 to 120 other names that says okay and these are the people and the interesting point is and we see it multiple times where a client will second guess our list and work through the list and go well they won't be interested they won't be interested they won't be. and it's like no 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 stop you don't know what you don't know <laughs> and the reason why we put them on there and uh, and we we always we always give our client and my my researcher hates me for doing this but um we always say to the client question the researcher questionly you know push him you know why are they on the list why do you think and he'll tell you exactly the reason why okay i found this article that refers to this and this is the reason why they want to get into your space that's what you paid us to do we enjoy doing this point of finding those companies and so multiple times we'll sell to sell to people or our clients will sell to companies that they never even realized firstly existed or let alone realize that they wanted to get into their industry yeah that's amazing and um also i wanted to ask you is there a minimum amount of uh proven cash flow that's needed for uh, a business to be acquired or to work with you guys like what's is it a hundred thousand dollars a month or like how are you guys like looking in terms of revenue stream if it's a tangible business that they're making enough is it sustainable how long have they been doing this do you guys take all these things into account when you're looking at businesses that they approach you maybe they've only been around for 12 months but you know their their, their revenue is around a, a hundred thousand dollars every single month something like that how are you basically analyzing what's a good uh uh fit for your product product market fit yeah and, and uh, again another good question so it, it interesting enough i wish i had a crystal ball that sat in front of me that says this company is going to sell that one will that one will that one won't that one will that one won't the, uh, unfortunately it's not an easy answer it really depends on the sector that the client is working on so if we're talking about um, let's use a, a, an example if it's um sas revenue um and it's generating a hundred thousand a month so it's it's annualized recurring revenue of 1.2 million this is a hundred thousand a month 1.2 million arr um and is starting to get uh substantial traction and it's 15 to 20 percent growth year on year and it's starting to show that point absolutely that is a company we would work with however conversely if it's in manufacturing and it's generating a hundred thousand it's going to be a tougher it's going to be a tougher ask you got to 1.2 million in revenue you're then looking at the profitability probably not coming out of profitability it's probably still negative and so that's a tougher ask so it really depends on industry by industry. I mean, we'll happily spend, you know, a half an hour, an hour helping a business owner to evaluate that point and saying, OK, mm -hmm. do we think there's a market? In some instances, it could be as low as 100,000. In other instances, it will probably need to be, you know, four, five, six million in turnover before it starts to make any sense to take a company to market but it is predominantly market sector that they sit, which will enable them to get the traction. And the last thing for us is to take a company to market that we 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 just know that it will be a tough ask. And there's no point because this is a strain on the business. And the last thing we want to do is put a strain on a business that may not be performing as best as it can. 
so through our process and doing that assessment and and we'll absolutely do it for free is to understand and go okay do we believe in this if we do great and if we don't we'll give key points on what the business needs to do and areas they need to focus on and then come back and keep us in the conversation and keep us in the loop and then happily to help out when they're ready Got it. Is there any general KPIs in, in regards to, I know it's different depending on which vertical, but is there any general KPIs that you're looking at specifically when analyzing if a business is a good product market fit for your uh, company or how does that yeah, work? I suppose, look, the consistency is margin, you know, making sure that margin is, is, is you, you, you consistently create a good margin. You've got a growth story, you know, where the market's been in the last four or five years, that's tough in some organizations in others, it's been really good. Um, but but what is your growth story? What, what where have you come from? Where are you going? Um, if you flatlined in the last year, why have you flatlined? Is it because you may have had product that that you were going to sell that moved moved to the right, as in moved into the next financial year? And um, being able to articulate the story on why your numbers are flatlined is absolutely key. But I think it's you know good profitability. Revenue, fine, um, but a, a good story on where your customer and the stickiness of your customer base. So how sticky is it? How long has it been with you? Um, uh, 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 and is there capability of increasing that customer base as in drilling through the customer base you have at this moment in time? So if you're selling one product to one customer, is there other products that can be sold to that customer? And that's where you're looking for those synergies between the purchaser and the seller and identifying that you you know you the door is not closed it's already open you're selling product is their ability to sell other products so i think it's key margin you know good revenue good profitability but a good track record and and you know and no underlying skeletons in the business you know if there's issues that are in there have you dealt with them and have you dealt with them appropriately Makes sense. And also in regards to the final number, you know, when you're sitting at a negotiating table and you're, you know, scrambling, looking through all these different businesses, they're interested. How are you guys determining that final number? Is it, do you have certain KPIs you're looking at again? Um, what exactly are you guys looking at for that final number? And is it sometimes in which the client will take a lesser number because it's a better fit for the business acquisition or like what kind of scenarios have you had? Um, can you just walk us through a little bit of the details of that? Yeah, and I, to that end, yes, uh, the clients do take lower amounts. And it goes to that point, as I said earlier, about thinking about the wider stakeholders and thinking about the team that got them there and to where they got to. And this is this is a bit of a journey uh, and it, it sounds altruistic, but it's, it's meant that way that a client goes through a bit of a journey in this process because it's so long and it's not five minutes there's a lot of weekends there's a lot of thinking time that goes into this process and as they're going through this process they start thinking and reflecting on where they've got to and how they've got there and on what the team has helped them to get there so that starts to weigh heavy at the point of when value starts to appear on the table and so that stage of going um, without my team, I couldn't be here. And, and now they're starting to identify, should we say, that the largest offer on the table is saying that they're going to move my facility 50, 60, 100 miles up the road. And now all of a sudden, the team that I employ today may not have a job. That starts to weigh fairly heavy on, on, a, on a business owner's shoulders on, I don't want to sell to that person because they'll lose their jobs. And so 
yes, absolutely, that plays heavy on their mind, and 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 we do see that that clients do take um, a lower offer because it is about that right fit and ethos, which is to be fair how we set ourselves out and and help and assist the client to get to that conclusion. Um, but where do we get to in value? And it's ultimately the buyer and where value comes from is what it's worth to the buyer and, and different buyers. And the reason why we go to multiple audiences, multiple sectors um, uh, and, and uh, outer inner and outer outer sectors is because each of them have a different view on value on that entity and what it means to them. And so you get different valuations not because we're clever and smart, it's because the buyer actually has a need or a requirement for the skill set that may, may, may be within the entity we're taking to market. So that drives value in everything that we do, but also brings different valuations. And then our job is to look at those and go, okay, these guys valued it in this way. Why did they value it in this way? What was the key drivers to bought value and why are they valuing it far more than anyone else. And one is the buyers that have put the lowest offers in, have they missed something? And have we, we as a team, or, or have we failed to articulate the, the synergy correctly? And if, if so, what, are we, what can we learn from the buyer that put the maximum value on the table? Is there anything that we can apply to the lowest? And then for the maximum guys is going, okay, Great, but how did you get to that valuation? Because there's a, a habit within our industry that buyers will put a, a really strong value on the table to get your attention, to eliminate everyone else, and then drag you into due diligence. And then the price goes down quite rapidly. So the point of identifying that price is then working as hard as you can to underpin that valuation and make sure that valuation stays on the table from the first day to the last. And so making sure that there is that value on the table and they've just not got your attention just for a big number. And so the key is that, and then also looking at whether there's value and you can push it a little bit harder, but it's ultimately, it's just all you're trying to do is to maneuver the structure and the value to the point that is an acceptable position for the client and the buyer, but making sure that, you know, there's a bit of pain on either side because these things only work if if people feel a little bit of pressure, but but also there's a right desire to do the right thing and get the right deal over the line because these things, you, you spend too long doing them and preparing them for them to go wrong because there's a misunderstanding or, or someone thought one thing or the other to value or to structure or what have you. So it's spending a lot of time making sure you're asking, and sometimes in essence, sometimes the stupid questions, just to make sure you, you, you've tested everything, structure it right, get it right, and then you go into due diligence with the confidence that you enter due diligence and you come out the back with the value you started off with and you come out with the right partner in the future. Amazing. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And also, I wanted to ask you too, as well, from the buyer's side, I'm guessing that that's basically mainly you're dealing with venture capital, uh, capital raising and stuff like that. Or how does that process work from the buyer's side? Are, they, are buyers coming to you and saying, hey, look, we have this much amount of capital, we want to allocate a percentage of it to specific SMEs, you know, we're looking at these particular industries, 
Can you, you know, uh, extrapolate that through the database? Like exactly, can you just walk me through how that process works in reverse from a buyer's perspective? Absolutely, very similar to the sell side, but we work for listed entities. So entities on the stock exchange that that have identified that they don't want to grow organically and they want to buy, buy through acquisition. And our remit is, is um, it, it, often, this becomes um, a, a, the CEO has a vision of, of acquiring and, and often it's a little bit of um, a drug in that instance to, to, to keep doing this, to keep buying, buying and buying and buying and buying. And our view is that's great. But at some point <coughs> in time, you've got, to in, me, you've got to integrate all of these organizations within your team. And you've got to get them onto the same wavelength and, uh, and structure. So for us, it's going and sitting down with uh, a buyers or organizations that want to acquire and identifying what they're acquiring for. Are they acquire, are they, uh, um, acquire higher? So they're acquiring the skill sets within an organization or they require product or what have you in that organization. So for us is identifying what they're wanting to achieve. And then we go through the same process as we did in the sale process and identify the right entities that we believe are going to bring the right structure and value and then start the whole process again the same as a sale process on behalf of a buyer got it and do you help in, in regards to structuring restructuring companies too as well in regards to this process or is that just something that's not particularly in the product or services that you offer yeah i wouldn't say we go into structure we do we we, we do help organizations part of the b corp thing is is to help organizations and and just take a view it's something that we don't charge for it's for us it's it's giving back and saying look <coughs> if you're this organization and you're doing this there may be some specific changes that we can do and have a look and help you um but that ultimately is for a future event, whether it be a sale or a buy or, or capital raise, we would help and, and just give that advice. But we don't spend uh, weeks, months, years in organizations. For us, there are other organizations out there that do that kind of thing. For us, it is about either um, uh, you're either buying, you're selling or you're capital raising and when we have a transactional support element that helps organizations that may have a buyer at the table and the, the final phases and they need some assistance um, on the financial side or the negotiating side and we'll we'll parachute people in to help them do that process in that final phase to help them get it over the line got it and is there any vertical that you're not willing to work in um i know you guys said that you guys have some sort of ethical and moral practices you know do you guys does you guys do so i don't know is like is tobacco off is a uh, cannabis off off you know like what is off and what is on do you have like a list or yeah and that's a yeah again really good question so from a b corp perspective um you, you know there are certain breweries in the world that are b corps so you would think if you were going to go down really ethically you would say you know the biggest drug or what, everything that we drink is is one of those things that should be ruled out and it's not by b corp um th the point is we all we could list off the ones that as you rightly say gambling weapons all of those that are are clear in front of the mind others that are at CD in that sense that we we wouldn't go near and we can reel those off. Um, so 
in essence, we, we work with every business. I think it's just there are the ones that we would all, all come straight to mind and go, there's no way you could do that and ethically do it. Um, and we wouldn't. Um, but I think it's, yeah, there's nothing off piece other than the big ones you've, you've just reeled off. And, and there's probably umpteen that will come to front of mind. Um, but I think it's just going through and making sure that we know who the entity we're working with. And also because we are uh, FCA regulated, we have to be clear on who we're working with and who we're working for. Got it. And do you guys also deal with, you know, in, in regards going back to the raising of capital, you know, venture capital and stuff like that. So say, for instance, I'm a guy, I have an idea and I see, you know, Cappy Q and I see they have venture capital and they have this sort of networks and stuff like that. But I have the ability to facilitate the idea. I already have the team. I've already done the market research. I already know what demographic I'm going to target and all these different types of things. And, you know, I've, I've uh, basically put together a pitch deck. And, you know, is it possible to, to go to Cap EQ and act like, hey, look, I got this pitch deck, I got this great idea, I got the team, I got the, demo, the demographics are going to attack and all these different types of things. Can you help me raise capital to get this thing off the ground? Okay, so no is the answer. What we can do, though, is help and have a look at what you're trying to do and look at how your pitch deck is trying to go out to the market and give you some ideas of how you might need to change your pitch deck to get people's attention. And by the way, the, the, the venture capital market is really tough and has been tough for a while. So it's, it's a tough ask. Um, but ultimately, we come in at series A and above, which is often pre uh, after um, uh, angel investors, family family network whatever you're mm -hmm. then going to raise significant value and at that stage you would have started to get some revenue within your business started to prove concept and now taking because we we will take you to institutional investors so that and above so educated investors and above is where we sit in and um, we don't go down to that level you're just in describing although we do help businesses what, what bring, bring us pitch decks and say, hey, listen, I'm about to go. This is my concept. This is my where I believe value may be. And this is what I'm, I'm taking to market. And we'll look at it as a team and go, OK, I think you need to change this or, or tweak this or or with our experience across the world of doing this. But happy to do that. But but for us to be able to provide the service, we can't go that low and we don't go that low. Got it. And in regards to partnerships, are you guys partner with anyone strategically or anything like that? Because I didn't see anything um, from the research I did. Yeah, so par partnering, we've, we've got uh, international partners that we work with. So we have offices uh, in uh, Amsterdam, uh, sorry, in Netherlands, in Poland, uh, in so uh, South Africa, uh, Spain, and where else? Oh, in Lithuania. Lithuania is one of our offices. So we work with those partners. So that gives us an, uh, a base and also a um, colloquial level um, to be able to get that message across if we need to get across into, into Europe. And I lived and worked in New York for, for three and a half years, um, working on Wall Street and working with an investment bank in New York and then across uh, the whole of the US. So I've got a network of people that I know over the years across the US. So that helps us to be able to get across the pond or vice versa. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that's basically all the questions that I had. Um, do you have anything? Where can people find you on the Internet? Yeah. So uh, CapEQ, so www.capeq.com. Um, 
we're also on linkedin so capiq.com on linkedin please feel free to follow us really appreciate any followers that that would be great and just to be clear if you are a business owner or you're thinking about anything with in anything i've described um you'll see that we give a lot back so every day we post and we, we deliver messages and things you need to think about as a business owner and what have you there is a huge amount of content there it's done for for one purpose and one purpose only is to demystify the m a process that everyone goes through to help businesses and look if you ever need help you know where we are but we'd love to and we put enough on there to educate you rather than just giving you very cold answers on yes you need to do this yes you need to do that it is here's the information and if you're going to do it on your own these are the things you need to think about so please feel free follow us and it would be great to have you as part of the, the our following network awesome awesome thank you so much mark i uh, appreciate your time and and peace <laughs>